Thank God it's Free Range. You are listening to Free Range Radio Friday with your host, Michael Elves. Pour yourself a beverage and turn up the volume because here on 101.5 UMFM, the weekend starts now. is 
101.5 UMFM. This is Thank God It's Free Range, the Friday edition of Free Range Radio. I'm Michael Alves and kicking things off for us tonight. Sharon Jones and the Dap Kings with just another Christmas song off of It's a Holiday, a Soul Party. And uh, playing some Christmas music, A, because it's December. And uh, that's when I officially pull things out. Uh, but also because coming up after a couple of more selections, uh, we're going to be talking to Kelly Finnegan. Uh, of the Monophonics, and uh, who has recorded as a solo artist, uh, both on Coal Mine, one of my favorite soul labels. Uh, he just dropped a new Christmas album called The Joyful Sound at the end of November. And uh, we spoke about the record and uh, what making contemporary soul Christmas record involves. Uh, but before we get to that, uh, jazz artist Warren Wolf on Mac Avenue with uh, Skating his take on the uh, the Charlie Brown classic off of his album Christmas Vibes, and then uh, the 3D Jazz Trio with their version of Green Sleeves off of Christmas in 3D. Keep it locked here on 101.5 UMFM.
All right. Well, you've heard his stuff in the past here on this show, his solo album last year, and then the Monophonics album earlier this spring. But Kelly Finnegan is back with something a little different for Christmas time, his new album, A Joyful Sound, and he joins us to talk about it. How's it going, man? It's going good today, man. It's, I'm down in Southern California, where that's where I'm from in the LA area, uh, here with my family, just hanging out. And it's a beautiful day, and I'm glad to be with the people I love the most. So that's a that's a good thing, and that's uh, certainly one of the uh, the messages of a, of a Christmas album in particular. You know, being with those you Definitely. love. Definitely. Um, growing up, like, were you a fan of Christmas music? Like, was there a, spe- a specific Christmas record or song that? Uh, pointed the way towards this as a kid i would say the first song that really caught my attention was probably chuck berry's run run rudolph okay i love that record and i think it, it's obviously if for the people who know the record uh, chuck berry was an amazing writer he was like such a descriptive he could really paint a scene or tell a story really well um, with his words and i don't know why but that record attracted me as a as a kid and then I grew up in a house where Christmas music was played a lot it was you know it was my my parents loved it uh and they passed that love on to myself and my sister and my father would a lot of years uh he's a musician and he would sit down and play Amazing Grace on the piano and sing and we'd have friends come over and yeah, so I have a lot of fond memories about Christmas, but especially Christmas music. It's really an important part of my family's, you know, the way we celebrate. Right. Now, did your mom and dad have a specific record, like their go-to record? I'd say the go-to records were the Ray Charles Christmas record, uh, the Nat King Cole, mm. uh, the BB and CC Winin record, um, Kind of like a, a soul, like the Atco soul compilation, Soul Christmas. Sure. That one. And then I'd say there was like this Celtic, we're, we're Irish people. So we, you know, they loved this Celtic Christmassy. That's kind of like, uh, you know, it's kind of as a kid, you're like, this is out there, man. But as I've gotten older, it's, it's beautiful. So those were the go-tos in the house. Did you like go back to any of those records when you were, you know, starting to write the music for a joyful sound in terms of like kind of i have to mention one more oh sure yeah but the mahalia jackson actually is the first one i should have mentioned because she's one of my father's favorite singers and one of my favorite singers and obviously considered kind of the queen of of gospel music um and so i want to make sure and mention that record because it's very important to me and it was important it was an important record that i did look to even though I'm not a gospel artist for the record. So please continue. The question. Yeah, no. So I wanted to ask you in terms of like going back to some of those records or looking to them, was it, you know, breadth and scope of the, the songs or was it like specific sonics, you know, sounds and, and instrumentation or like what, what kind of things are you piecing together when you're putting together a Christmas record? Cause I have to imagine the approach is different than, you know, that, that latest monophonics record, right. Where like, Oh, definitely. It's much, yeah, I mean, to be quite honest, I was like consumed by the thought of Christmas and Christmas music and just the overall vibe and constantly not only looking at those records. I mean, I will say those records are special to me. But if you went back specifically, maybe like the BB and CC, that record's from like the early 90s. So it very much sounds like, you know, given the their gospel 
gospel family and gospel singers, but also lean towards a more contemporary R&B sound for the sake of selling records. It definitely ha- sounds like, you know, an early 90s R&B record. You know, it's like I've got a lot of uh, synthesizers and, and kind of, you know, fake keyboard sounds. Rolling keyboards. Little, yeah, yeah. It, in terms of like sonically, I wouldn't look, but in terms of the songs and the performances and specifically the arrangements. Now, when it comes to Christmas music, in my opinion, of course, the singer and the musician's performance is a very important part of the magic, but the arrangements is where the real magic is when it comes to the the records like the Ray Charles record and the Nat King Cole and things like the Phil Spector record, which was a big influence on this record. It's not necessarily a record I grew up hearing, but it's a record I found in my 20s when I became, you know, uh, we all go through stages and I definitely went through like a discovering who Phil Spector was and how how brilliant he was and how how he really went from nobody to somebody very fast. Um, and by the time he was 30, he was kind of known as like passe. Um, but yes, of course, I look to those records. For me, Christmas music is like, it's a feeling. It's it's a thing that's bigger than just putting sleigh bells on something or xylophone or big strings. It's like, there's something, there's a feeling in the music and there's a spirit in, in, you know, in the music that's being played and in the songs that I think is the most important thing for me. Yeah, the instrumentation, you, you, I mean, you already touched on the, like the bells and the xylophone. And the other thing I would think of is like, you know, horns, uh, of course. you know, like particularly like kind of like, like a French horn or a trombone yes. has like kind of like, like more depth or like, Brassy, you know, warm orchestral yeah. warmth. Yeah. Uh, is there like a risk of like too much? Like, did you ever hit a point when you were like recording or like putting a song together? You're like, I need to take like a, something away from this because it's just like veering way too far into the uh, cliche? I mean, there's definitely, you know, there's a great quote by one of my favorite producers named Willie Mitchell. Uh, and he said, we are not producers, we are reducers. Mm. So of course there's a lot of like trying things and then, and then, you know, figuring out like, well, maybe this is like too much or this is too, you know, this is too full sounding and it's, it's taking away from this or, so yeah, there's definitely points where I would try stuff and then it wouldn't necessarily, you know, it would end up on the cutting room floor. Um, but for the most part, I, you know, uh, I think that's one of my, uh, you know, comp, you know, something I'm good at is like, I'm, I'm good about having a vision once I've written a song or like gotten to a place where I know what kind of song it is. I'm not kind of guessing my way through how I want it to be. I'm kind of like, okay, this song needs this and this. And I'd say nine times out of 10, I'm not going to say it. I was pr- completely right, but it's like, I'm, I'm. I'm in the ballpark and I, you know, I made the right choices. So I'm also very conscious about what, what has already been done and what's recorded and what the vibe of those songs are. So it's like, I'm not repeating myself. You don't listen to one song and go, well, this just sounds like that song that was early. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm very, I try to be, you know, I try to catch all the little things, the details, the details and you know, the devils in the details, as they say. So I'm very, very aware of those things. One thing as a producer, I mean, other than being a reducer, is, is like seeing the big picture uh, of a record, oh, yeah. right? Definitely. Did you like map out or, or in any way kind of like shape the record before you started putting the songs together, like with a sense of kind of like pace or 
you know, volume and, and kind of like, like flow with a Definitely. sense before like, you know, actually hitting record. I mean, I can't say it was all mapped out, but I definitely had things I knew I wanted to talk about, subject matter, feelings I wanted to convey in the songs and in the lyrics, and uh, definitely, you know, things that I call like breadcrumbs or winks, things that will, things that I enjoy and that really inspire me that I want to kind of inject into my music. So like a good example is the song on the record called Just One Kiss. Now from the title, you would think, oh, this must be about, you know, a girl or some sort of romantic Christmas song where actually it's a wink to the Rotary Connection song, um, Peace at Least, which is basically about that Santa Claus, you know, gets stoned <laughs> and that he's a kind of a funny character. So Just One Kiss is really about, Just One Kiss is him hitting hitting the, the pipe or whatever he's smoking. So it's really a song about Santa being stoned. And that was definitely one of those things where I was like, I know I want to have a quirky song because that's part, it's the same thing with Heartbreak for Christmas. It's like, it's the idea of Santa Claus breaking your heart, like, because he brought this girl you, you like a, a new boy is like, it's all very, you know, it's fantasy. And that's part of what I love in Christmas music um, is the, is the factor of like the out, the kind of like, you know, I saw mommy kissing Santa Claus. It's like, well, okay. <laughs> Um, but you know what I mean? So like the, in terms of mapping out things, that's where it's more mapped out. It's not too much like, I know I need a song at 110 BPM and it's going right. to give F and I'm going to have three verses and two. No, I don't, I don't really work like that. I, I definitely am, am organized and I have goals and a plan, but I also like, you know, you're, we're, we're making music. It should, it should feel natural and it should flow. And it, I want things to happen by accident. I want to feel inspired. I don't want to be, so stuck to a plan that I'm not picking up on like when things, when opportunities present themselves to go in a different direction or, or embrace something that's like, Oh, I didn't think of that, but here it is right in front of me. It's like the Sam is watching you. I knew of that record by the sacred four. Somebody's watching you. I was a fan of that song and it just took my brain being in full Christmas mode to see the title and go, somebody's watching you. Oh, I know something else. You know what I mean? It's like, that's how deep my brain was where it was like, it just clicked. And I went, well, Santa's watching you. So this was like a beautiful was, mind or something. You were like, yeah, see <laughs> Santa say, and everything. I give myself that much credit, <laughs> yeah. but it was just, like I said, I was thinking about Christmas and Christmas music so much that I would look at a lot of things and it would like, it would, you know, scratch that little, little thing in my brain and it'll go, yeah, but that could be associated with Christmas. So, right. You mentioned I, I saw Mommy Kissing Santa Claus. And like one of the things about that is, you know, you, you're the storyteller is a kid, right? Like the, the, the song is through the perspective of a kid who sees something yep. he couldn't see and doesn't understand it in the sense that like it's a wink and a nod to the adult audience. Yep. Uh, like when you're storytelling with these songs, like are you thinking from like a, like a different character's perspective or like placing yourself in someone else's shoes to, to write specific songs on the record? Well, I definitely want, I can't say I, I'm not, I want everybody to like this music. I mean, that was like part of the goal, which is a really tall order, which is like, I want people to listen to this and go, well, this isn't like the Christmas music that I don't like. This feels like, I mean, and it's connected to like who I am, you know, like, like you mentioned, I've put out one solo record and we just put out another new monophonics record. 
And at this point, the expectations from people and the brand and my sound are really important to me. I cherish those things because I've worked hard at kind of like chiseling out what that is. So I wasn't just going to come in here and be like, and make it. I didn't want people to scratch their head and go, what is this? What did this guy make? Like, I love Kelly's music, but this seems all, you know, off the beaten path, which is fine for, if you're an artist, I, I support anybody taking chances and trying new things, but given what it's following up, it's like, that was the goal it was like one, I want people to feel like this has a different feel than Christmas music. And obviously I know my audience is, you know, older audience in terms of 18 to 55 or whatever it is. But also I know that Christmas music is like, there's going to be kids hearing this and I want them to feel like they can tap into it and understand what's being said. I don't want it to go, I don't want it to be too highbrow or sophisticated to where it's like, this is adult Christmas music. Um, because like I said, I was around Christmas music as a kid and I remember the things that struck me um, and stuck out to me. So I definitely wanted to try and make sure that, you know, those elements were in there. And like I said, the goal was really, man, just like, I want everybody to like this record. I want people to want to listen to it in July. I want, I know that sounds ridiculous, but it's like, that was the goal. It was like, of course I want this to become a staple from, you know, November 20th to December 25th. But I really want people to say, man, I really just want to listen to this song. And I know it's not Christmas, but I love this song. Did you like, in order to accomplish that goal, right. To think about like, I want someone to listen to this in June or July. Like, did you test it out on anyone? Like, did you say, Hey, like, listen to this, not, not preparing them that it was a Christmas song per se, just to see kind of reaction or gauge kind of like how responsive people would be. Um, wasn't, you know, bit. if they weren't finding it in the Christmas section, you know? Yeah. A little bit. I, I, I I kind of hold my cards close to my chest when I'm working on stuff. I mean, obviously I'm sharing it with Terry from the label. Um, and I share it with a, a small few of the guys, the musicians, obviously yeah. that are, are playing on the stuff, but I don't, I've yet to find, you know, if I play it for my mom, she's going to love it no matter what. <laughs> <laughs> True enough. Yeah. Uh, I don't, I don't have anybody who, you know, it sounds silly, but it's just like, I really, I really trust my gut and what I'm doing. So, I mean, regardless of if I reach that goal, um, I can't really worry about that at this point. Um, it's just in the moment felt like this feels good. Like I would, if this song came on, I wouldn't know it's a Christmas song until the chorus. And that's also like, well, you just kind of wrote a song and added the word Christmas. It's like, yeah, but that's okay. Like, <laughs> not every song has to be about winter wonderland and Frosty the Snowman. It doesn't have to be such a blatant, um, a blatant message because, you know, the reality is, is like, that's not how Christmas is for everybody. Christmas mm -hmm. can be daunting. Christmas can be a tough time for people. And Christmas isn't just this big house full of decorations and a tree. Sometimes people celebrate small. So, you know, sometimes the message can be bigger than just you know, a full blown Christmas song. Um, and it can be a song about the emotions that we feel around Christmas time, because that was something me and Terry also talked about is like, we're not gonna, we're not gonna put out this record that is just gonna like tell you how amazing and magical Christmas is because especially right now, 
it's a really, you know, it's a tough holiday. It's, it, you know, for people who maybe are on the lower income or people who are being helped out um, with EBT or food stamps, it's like, if you don't think that's hard on a parent to know that all you want to do is give your kids what they want and you can't, that's a pretty, that's a serious, you know, that's gut-wrenching. That, that hurts me to have to think about it. And I, I'm not in that situation. I don't have children. But that's a lot of pressure. And I just feel like as magical and great as the holiday can be, it can be really tough for some people. So I wanted to make sure that that emotion was in, in the record. Did you have a sense of like, you know, because you were talking about, you know, listening to these records growing up as a family, right? Like around Christmas yeah, time. Definitely. And then, you know, sometimes people might, you know, be alone for, and I mean, obviously this year, especially certain yeah. circumstances, uh, like whether a song could stand up to, you know, a group listen versus, you know, like a solitary listen and like some, some sense of kind of like, where and when this might be hitting someone? No, that's a really good point. Most, I'd say 80% of this record was made this year during the months of April to June. Okay. So, I mean, if you think about it, that's that's like we're in the thick of it. Yeah. And plus in the States, you know, we started dealing heavily with, you know, the social injustice that's been going on in this country for a long time. But yeah. Once again, you know, the powder keg, you know, it filled up and blew up. So there was a lot of stuff going on when I was making this. There was a lot of emotions. And quite frankly, it was hard some days to walk in and feel okay with creating this music when like, it feels like there's so much wrong in the world. Um, but this is, the, this is what I could do. It was not only making this music and working on this record was not only therapeutic to me. And I'm extremely grateful that I had something to kind of dig into and something to dig into with a lot of heart. And, and like you said, I, I think it's a great question, but I, I do think this is a record that you can put on at your party. But I also think this is a record you can definitely feel if you're sitting alone, you know, and unfortunately because of everything going on, you can't see your family or you can't see your friends and, and you're going to just have to do this, you know, do this year alone. But I think, you know, thinking about it, I, I do think there's, it's a record that can be shared and played in a social situation or digested, digest, digested, excuse me, alone. Um, and hopefully can, you know, I'm not going to say make you feel better, maybe just make you feel, you know, and make you understand that, that uh, you don't, you know, <laughs> You don't miss your water till the wells run dry. Um, it's easy to, you know, I think we all take things for granted. And uh, the year has kind of taught us that it's not wise to do that. No, absolutely. So the the tracks on the record, was there anything that got le left on the cutting room floor? Was there anything that you just couldn't make fit or really kind of wrap up in a bow to, to include? Uh, there was a couple things me and Terry did early on that were good. And I think we'll end up one of them. I don't think it'll end up being a Christmas thing because it was just a little too dark. And you know what I mean? It had this, like, it was really vibey and cool and we wanted to make it work. But I think in the end, listening to it, especially with everything else, I was like, it's a little too heavy. It's a little too off the beaten path. 
So there's that one. And then I think we demoed out another tune. And I don't think, I think it felt like it was a little too similar to some other ones that we liked more. It was just one of those things where like, this is a cool song, but it's a little too much like this one. And we don't, we don't want to like, you know, just like overdo that sentiment. For sure. I mean, I have to imagine you, you have some sense of like trying to keep this tight and not kind of. Oh yeah. People will see it's a 31 minute record and that's fast. It's not fast compared to, you know, kind of, that was kind of the vibe back in the day it was like 10 tracks around three minutes, boom, you're done. Mm-hmm. But I wanted to make this record very digestible. I wanted it to seem like it, it flew by. So you play it again and you play it again. And uh, so that was a big thing that I was, that I was very keyed in on. I was like, I want to make this extremely digestible and, and I want to make it like feel like it's over before it begins because you're so enjoying it that, you know, that it's just like, wow, that was fast. Um, so yeah, that was a, I was definitely thinking of that as I made the songs. Well, speaking of enjoying it, uh, let's give folks a taste. I want to get you to pick a track off the record we can play for folks. If you have a reason why you're picking that song in particular or an anecdote. And as a, as a Christmas bonus, since I didn't talk to you when the Monophonics record came out, maybe you can pick a track off of It's Only Us for folks to listen to, too. Oh, I would love that. Um, I would say off my record, there's so many good ones, but I'm going to go for the sadder song because that's who I am. Uh, I'm going to go with No Time to Be Sad, and this was the last song I wrote for the record. Um, it's got a beautiful arrangement and orchestration by um, J.B. Flats, and I've got Joe Crispiano from the Dap Kings on there, and my buddy Max Ramey playing bass, and just some, some amazing musicians. And uh, this one just hits home for me. Uh, it's kind of what we talked about earlier in the conversation. Um you know, we're all going through a lot. It's been a tough year for so many reasons and uh, it's easy to feel down. But the message in the music is like, you know, give yourself a break. This one day, you know, is meant to be, it's a day to be positive and love people and, and be grateful and be, you know, cherish the people you have and, and the life you have. And, uh, but then you, you know, be sad tomorrow. It's okay. It's really a song about like embrace your feelings and work through the pain, but give yourself a break at least for today because it's Christmas. So that that would be no time to be uh, no time to be, no time to be sad. Was that uh, some advice you were giving yourself, like at the time that you were writing it? Like you said, you know, yeah. you're working on these on these songs, you know, right in the midst of a pandemic and social unrest. And definitely, definitely, and 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 as we know, you know, life's funny. And um, not only in terms of this and what's going on, but also just like people don't think, but it's like people do break up around the holidays. People do get in fights and have, you know. So, yeah, it's definitely it's definitely a message to myself, but it's also a a message to the people out there. Sure. Well, we'll give that one a listen. And then uh, something off Monophonics you want to play? Do you want to play the seven-minute song? Why not? (laughs) Let's do that. I would would definitely suggest the self-titled track, which is beautiful. um, But I think for the mood, because we're going with no time to be sad, let's pick it up and do Last One Standing, which is also a very, you know, for people who don't know, please dive into the Monophonics record. It, It just so happened that that record and it is by chance really reflects a lot of what we've been going through in 2020. We it's, it's been interesting, but uh last one standing 
It's a great tune. Uh, it's definitely a tip of the cap to my personal favorite hero, Mr. Curtis Mayfield. Mm. Um, and it's a seven minute tune. It's, 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 I'm as proud of that song, the work I did on that song as anything I've ever done. I think it's, it's a great lesson in details. <laughs> you mentioned Curtis Mayfield there. Like, is this in some way, keep on pushing is this your keep on pushing it's definitely like it's definitely a tip of the cap it didn't start off as that and we didn't write it as that once we were writing it and we started talking about a reprise then we were like well if we're going to do an up-tempo soul number kind of about like you know in in the sense of like a, a keep going don't give up message yeah how could we not embrace an artist that has been so influential to myself and monophonics so we, you know, we fully embrace it. We've always worn our influences on our sleeve. We don't, we're not out here trying to act like we've invented anything or we're new. It's like, we love soul music. We love, we love popular American music and we're happy to remind people why it's so important. For sure. Well, uh, we did feature some of the stuff off of, uh, it's only us back when the album dropped in the spring, but uh, happy Thank to you, play man. some more of it. Uh, and Kelly, thanks very much for taking some time and, uh, and talking about the, the new record. Of course, Michael, thank you. And thanks for always playing the music. I appreciate it, man.